This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth and all pregnancy loss. We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these subjects. And rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women. Rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. Today, we are joined by a super duper fitness fanatic. Fanatic? Fanatic. It seems strong. I was going to say freak and then I thought that was out of that. Rude. (laughs) Like rude, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're joined by Felicity Rosina, who um, is... uh, (laughs) Where are you going? I don't know. It's like she's fit as a butcher's dog. That's the word. That's the one. <laughs> How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you guys? Yeah, yeah. we're all right. Minor technical issues this morning, mm-hmm. but on the whole, I mean, nothing new for us, obviously. No. That's right. It knows it's Monday. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. Got there in the end. Got there in the end. Um, so let's start, Felicity, by let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. <laughs> Um, tell us how you are in this group and uh, a little bit about yourself. We're, we actually call it a gang, Bex. I don't know if you know. Gang, gang. <laughs> Gucci gang. Um, okay, a bit about myself to start off with. I am 27. I am a personal trainer specialising in pre-postnatal training. And I'm a fitness influencer, if that's what you want to call it, I guess. Um, so I am in this gang because in January this year, me and my partner found found out I had had an ectopic pregnancy which was a massive shock because we weren't really expecting a baby either but we knew for like I think it was like 10 days before that I was pregnant and then I got really ill in the middle of the night and then the rest of it just kind of happened um so that's how I got to this place but I kind of talked about it online because I didn't when I was talking to the midwife in the hospital I didn't realize how common it was and I just thought it was something that was really important to be spoken about because the majority of my following is female. It's like 87% or something. And it wasn't until I'd spoken out about it that I knew I didn't realize how many even my friends had gone through it and just not said anything. So I think I just needed to like open that space to everyone to kind of had that that conversation and be because I have the platform to use. I was like, I can actually use this for like good things to come from it rather than like yeah. a negative perspective. Exactly. People people um, have a moan about social media and Instagram, don't they? But actually, it can be used for good. And when you're raising awareness and talking about things that are usually unspoken, it's um, it can be a really good thing. 
and, and also you- the amount of support I suppose I probably had from like strangers who had also gone through that that I never I never really realized how much support was kind of on the internet because you don't like you don't really talk to your followers but then there was people that were opening up about having conversations and I was like oh okay yeah yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? As you say, it sort of opens the it opens the doors to more conversation, which opens the doors to more conversation, which opens the doors, and it, that's that's how it goes on. And and soon, it's it feels. I think when people first start to share this stuff because we've never done it before, it feels scary and makes you really feel really vulnerable. But actually, once you've started talking about it, it normalises it. And then you find pretty soon you can talk about other things. And I think it's really important and, and great that you've been able to use your platform, as you say, to kind of raise awareness and uh, and start the conversation around what is such an important topic. I think as well, it probably helped me kind of like grieve it and get through it, knowing that I kind of wasn't on my own. Because when we went to the hospital, I think I kind of in the back of my head had already kind of had the conversation with myself and kind of knew what was going to be said. And I think you just know when something's wrong, don't you? Like in the back of your head, you're like, I definitely know. Um, so I kind of come to terms with it in my head and it wasn't until the midwife started talking about it. I was like, oh, I was like, okay, it's not, it's not just me. I was like, what's like, what's wrong with me? Why has this happened? And there's literally no, for me personally, there's no reason why it, it would have happened. But I think I assumed it was my problem and that it was only happening to me when then as soon as I spoke about it, I realized it was a lot of people. And that's when I was like, oh, okay, well, I can do something with this. Like I can talk. I think as well, it's probably made me a better person personal trainer in the sense that I have a lot of women who are currently pregnant and they've gone through IVF or they've gone through different types of pregnancy journeys and I kind of never really spoke about it with them because I just assumed they'd given it a go once and they had a baby do you know what I mean like I think that's I probably came at it from quite a naive perspective of I've only really ever been taught at school yeah sex once you get pregnant and you have a baby that you don't want is basically what you get told at school yeah so I probably thought oh okay and because it kind of happened the first time for us I was like oh okay like that's really easy now what yeah and then it went wrong and I was like oh okay (laughs) it's not what it's supposed to be like but I think we're all we all come into this stage of our lives a bit naive don't we unless as you say I think um sex education in schools is getting better from what we hear but how can we come at it with anything other than naivety when we're not taught about it in schools and it's not talked about in society you know we're sort of we're all feeling our way blindly aren't we and we all that's what we all learn we all learn that actually to have a baby all you have to do is ditch the condoms and have sex and then hey presto there's a baby and actually in reality it's we as we know it's one in seven couples struggle to to even get that far and one in four couples will will lose their baby during pregnancy so it's yeah exactly really, I mean the, the, the statistics are absolutely huge and, and suggest that it's a, nor- a, a normal inverted commas thing to go through but it's still not treated as a normal experience in terms of the coverage I suppose it's given in 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 general conversation and that that needs to change right yeah and I also think this goes back to the thing about no one says anything for the first 12 weeks that's something I really struggled with because I was really excited so I should sorry that's really loud um I wanted to share it with some of my friends and as I was telling people they were like oh why are you telling people so early and I was like because I'm excited like wouldn't wouldn't you tell your friends something you're excited about and they're like oh but just in case and I was like but why is it so weird for why is it not weird that's not the right word why is it so like unspoken about that if you tell people that's happening and then something goes wrong that you then feel like you can't say something because it's gone wrong yeah does that make sense like I felt like i I wanted to say something because I was excited, but then I was kind of made 
to feel bad by kind of everyone to say something I think as well because I'm on social media so much I kind of wanted to say something I mean I was quite enjoying it that was one thing that was like secret but I was also enjoying being able to share like some of it along the way I didn't share anything as it went wrong quite quickly but I think by people not saying anything for so long in also makes you feel more alone when it does happen because you're like well no one knew anyway definitely Definitely. whereas because I'd kind of told quite a few people by then I had a lot of support around me that I was able to just send like a group message and be like this has happened please give me a few days but like I will like thanks for your support sort of thing whereas I feel like if so a few people had inboxed me like this happened to me and I was a single parent um, and I had no one to talk to and I was too scared to tell anyone mm. and I just I just think it shouldn't be like that like it, it's fine like it happens it's not it's not like you did something it's not you did something wrong it's just your body just didn't that just wasn't the time. People think they jinx themselves, don't they, by by telling people before. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like, that's just old superstitions. Yeah, I think there's loads of reasons. But I, I think certainly one, one perception is that when you excitedly tell people that you are expecting, that you're pregnant, that you're, you know, that you've, that you've done a positive pregnancy test, then if it does go wrong, I think there's this kind of unwarranted feeling of shame and embarrassment and certainly I was chatting to a friend yesterday and we were talking about telling people early and we both said that we felt this like embarrassment that like how could I have how could I have kind of felt like everything was okay I just felt like such a fool you know tell people and say oh yeah we're having a baby we're having a baby and then actually go on to lose the baby just there was just something about it that made me feel like a dick you know like yeah, but no yeah. one also I think thinks you're a dick, do they? That's no, just how you but it's how you perceive, perceive it yourself. yourself. Yeah. But, I also think because as like women, you're kind of put on the planet to reproduce. I mean, not the sole reason, that's not what I'm saying. But I feel like it's kind of a thing inside you where you're like, Why well, couldn't I couldn't do that this time? So I kind of feel bad for myself. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a widely thought of, I mean, historically, definitely, that that women are here to bring babies into the world um and that and that is really damaging I think that that opinion and and belief and that's what we need to move away from you know Mm. women are so much more than their reproductive organs we're we're yeah exactly so then you shouldn't be made to feel bad if it happens to you and you do lose a baby because at the end of the day like you're that's not your sole purpose in life but it's hard I feel like it's hard not to not to lose faith in your body and to be fucking annoyed at it for screwing you over Oh, a hundred percent. Like I'm terrified every time I go to the toilet now, I'm like, oh, come on. Like, like what's wrong with me? But I just, I don't know. It's really weird. It's a really weird thing to go through. I never, I never kind of assumed I'd again, naively go through it because I just was like, oh, it's fine. I'm healthy. I'm fine. Like everything will be fine until it wasn't fine. And then I was kind of sitting there like, well, what did I do wrong? Like, Mm -hmm. why is this happening to me? And you kind of in the back of my head, I was always like, what, why? Like I was doing everything right. Why did it happen to me? So tell us a bit about what happened. What, what what made you go into the hospital? So I on the so we found out on the it must have been like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. The following Friday, wait no, yeah we did the test on the Monday. On the Friday, um, I had some like light spotting, but again Google told me that Google shouldn't have started googling things. But Google told me that was quite normal, so I was like okay, but what what I think is light and what other people think is light might be two completely different things mm. so that probably is where I first went should have been the first red flag 
And then everything was fine. I felt fine. I was just really tired. And I was like, okay, well, this is, everyone tells me I'll be tired. So whatever, I'll just get on with it. Then the Tuesday after I had this really like sharp stabbing pain, like kind of on my right hand side. And I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. But I was asking people and they were like, oh no, a little bit of pain's quite normal. Like, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. And I was like, all right, okay. And as we went out in the evening, as we were sitting out in the evening, I had to like push my hand like really hard into kind of like, like where my hip flexor is like and it was only when I was putting pressure on it the pain kind of went away and I was like "Mm, I don't I don't think this is okay anyway woke up the next morning and there was so much blood like this just volume of blood and I was like oh something something's gone really wrong so I ended up ringing the doctor and they referred me back to the early pregnancy unit who then rung me and were like well you can just come in if you want to just just check everything's all right because I was like I'm not I wasn't in any pain by the time I'd woken up it was just that like kind of like dull ache um and then I went to the unit and she did a scan and she was like well the egg like it is there she was like it's just it's just in the wrong place so she was kind of like well we think it's we think the egg had died like a couple weeks before so it was only really really small and I feel quite lucky that I got away with it in that sense that it happened so early because it was able to just make its own exit and I didn't have to have any medical intervention but she said if it had been like another week on I would have had to go and had surgery kind of like straight away but I never knew what an ectopic pregnancy was. Like I just, I thought you could either have a miscarriage or that was it. I didn't realize how many other kinds of different pregnancy losses people can go through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then she gave me all these leaflets and I was like, okay, but now what? She, so I had to go back every, for the first week, I was going back every other day for blood tests. Then it was every week until the HCG went down. And then, yeah, when it was gone, she was like, you're absolutely fine now. Like crack on, do what you want. But while I was on the medical watch, I couldn't exercise. I literally couldn't do anything because we were still at, it might rupture at any point. So it was just like, you can just sit still, just wait for it to happen. And I was like. How did that affect you? Not being able to, probably uh, <laughs> exercise is like your go-to. I mean, I will probably walk like 20,000 steps a day. I try, go to tennis four hours a week. Like I go to the gym probably five, six hours a week. Trying to make me sit still was probably the worst thing. Like my boyfriend was like, just sit down. I was like, I, I can't. I was like, I'm so bored. And I think because I use the gym as like, kind of like a place to get out of my head. And it's like a bit of a mental headspace block. No, not block. Yeah, like it gives me good mental headspace to go to the gym and to be able to walk around and do whatever. I was just sitting there and I was getting so into my own head and my own thoughts and I was spending so much more time on the internet than I should have done. And I didn't really feel like I wanted to work because I didn't really want to talk to anyone. So I just kind of was just like wallowing my own pity for a good probably week and a half. Mm. And then it was the Sunday night and Chris, my boyfriend, and I were sitting there and I was like, I want to go back to work tomorrow. I was like, I need to do something because I can't just sit here not be able to exercise as it is and just sit here and cry anymore I was like it will be fine we can't change it let's just carry on so both of us on that Monday morning just started work again but I think then when I could go back to exercising I then was worried because I still didn't feel okay like I was still really tired there was still quite a lot of blood and I was like what what do I do I was like back in the gym and I was like I hadn't trained properly since December at this point because we went away for Christmas um and I just felt horrible I felt so sloppy all of my I, my strength had just gone and I was just in the gym like this is horrible I was like I don't want to be here so I had the thing of oh I'm really excited to go back to training went back to the gym and I was like okay well now I feel worse than if I hadn't been in here yeah which was kind of a weird like weird thing to go through but we I started walking quite early on I was just probably shouldn't have done that but I just needed to go outside 
just for the like the headspace of just having half an hour in the fresh air to be honest like I just needed to go outside (laughs) yeah definitely and how are you feeling now about everything I feel a lot better I think I think I've kind of had a lot of time to talk to people and I I do think Instagram's really helped me because I've been able to talk to so many women who have told me these really nice stories that happened after and I think talking about it openly helped me kind of get through it because I was like okay well if I'm not the only one I am very lucky I am young I can try again like it's not for me personally the path going forward can only really be a positive experience I think and I always try to look at the positives of things I don't like sitting there being negative but for me to sit for those few days and just like sit on the sofa and cry I was like I I need to do something and I think talking to my clients well I've got a group chat um, of mums that I train and I've kind of said it in there and a lot of them had said, oh, we've experienced this as well. So kind of been able to open up to those kind of people and talk as well. Um, but like physically now I'm fine. I've gone back to the gym. I've kind of got back into the routine of it. Still nowhere near as strong as I was before. And I think I've kind of had to get used to my body looking very different. Because I think before, probably like October, November, December, I was very lean. I was in probably like peak physical condition I've ever been. And I was training a lot. Now I'm just like, my priorities aren't really in the same place as they were before. Because now I'm like, it's not about having abs. It's not about looking as strong as you can. It's about kind of building my strength back up and kind of supporting other people that are doing that as well. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah definitely. So it's, che- would you say it's kind of changed your outlook and, and as you say, priorities in life? Yeah, hundred percent. I think my outlook changes that I feel like I can empathize with people that has happened to more than probably I could before. Cause I feel like sometimes maybe if one of my clients and one of my friends had said it, I'd have been like, oh, that must be really hard. And then I probably would have just carried on with my day and kind of not battered off the conversation, but not really actually asked them how they were and just kind of left it very surface level. But that's probably because I didn't really understand and I didn't, I just didn't, I don't know. That's probably my fault being a bad friend. But um, I just think it's changed my outlook on like life in general, like how hard it actually is for people to have children. And how how much money, like I didn't realise also that you have to be trying for two years before you can get IVF and all this kind of stuff. Like I just, this, it's opened me up to a whole new world of things that I didn't know about before. So kind of, I feel kind of lucky that I've had that experience and kind of come out of it physically fine because I know a lot of people would have had to have surgery and if I had, I still wouldn't be able to do any exercise. And I think I've come out of it the best possible way and only going forward I can, It I think it will help me. Like yeah. I think that's, probably the that's probably not how I how I should deal with things when I'm looking at them but I try and look at things in a positive way rather than being like oh well this might happen next time or next time it's going to be like this I feel like I'm manifesting good vibes do you know good Mm. can I just say that you're not you said earlier it's probably because I was a bad friend it's not that at all people just don't know what to say or how to deal with it when when one of their friends goes through something like this and it's I mean, we've said it's we don't talk about it enough, and that's probably one of the reasons. But I think the more conversations that we all openly have, the easier it becomes for other people to talk about it. My friends were a, a rubbish. They probably won't mind me saying it. <laughs> they didn't know how I to do. Not. <laughs> they didn't know how to deal with me, or what to say, or when to bring it up, or whether to you know forget that it ever happened but the more I've spoken about it the um the easier it's been for them to support you know not just me but other people um one thing I think I really struggled with was when I started seeing people like kind of when I was going out and about again people didn't really know how to talk to me and it was kind of a like 
I kind of went in with a message before I met up with them and was like, I'm fine to talk about it. Don't be awkward. Please just talk to me like a normal friend because I didn't want them to feel uncomfortable. One of my friends actually sent me a voice note and she was like, well, I don't want to not bring it up, but I don't want to upset you. So can you just tell me like where I stand on this conversation? And I was like, this is the kind of friends that I need because I don't feel uncomfortable talking about it, but I didn't want them to feel awkward being like, are you okay? And then me just like not mention it at all. Yeah. So I think a lot of them as well were more concerned that I hadn't exercised for a few weeks and they were like, come on, do something. <laughs> like they knew how hard it would have been for me to just sit still. So I think they were more concerned that I hadn't been out and about and like socializing. So yeah, I think it, I don't know, it's a really weird thing, I think, for friends of people to go through because you just don't you just kind of just don't ever expect to have to have that conversation with people. It's a difficult line to walk, I think, with the um you know the I didn't want to upset you so I didn't say anything because some people find that well I think loads and loads certainly I did loads of people found it in, incredibly invalidating when it's the whole thing is just ignored and 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 I understand that people choose not to say anything because they think oh if I say something they might cry and they might be having a really good day and I don't want to ruin their day but I think the fact of the matter is is when you're in that space like you're thinking about it all the time mm. and actually to have your baby validated and to be asked after is is great because it shows that your baby existed to someone that isn't you, which is really important. Yeah. But I think that's, again, where it helped because I'd spoken about it so much kind of on the internet and to strangers in my DMs who maybe didn't have anyone to talk to or a lot of them were like single parents or it happened to them two or three times and they were like, I just don't have the friends to open up about this. So I spent a lot of those two weeks. I sat at home just talking to strangers and was like, hey, look, it's fine. Like, you will be fine going forward. You are fine. And I think the thing I always try and remember, even if like I'm having a bit of a shit day, because you do still get kind of shit days or someone will mention it and you're just like, thanks. Um, Or someone will like drop a passing comment. And I think that's when I sit there and be like, you're fine. Like physically, you are absolutely fine what's happened has happened let's move forward rather than sitting there constantly being like in your own head so I think I think it's really difficult for the men and I think it's also not spoken about at all for what they have to go through because I think even though they're not physically going through it like he had to literally watch me have a complete meltdown and there's nothing he could have done because he was like if I if I could take that away from you I could but I just can't so it was more of a like let me know what I can do and I think he his big part was just sitting there and being there for me and kind of hugging me when I was crying and then kind of talking about it and it's definitely brought us closer as a couple because we've learned how to talk about how we're feeling rather than maybe both of us before would have been like if I was a bit upset I just wouldn't have said anything because I didn't want to bring the mood down mm. so it was more of a like the first few days we spoke about it a lot and then we kind of decided that we'd have an hour in the day where we'd sit down and we'd talk about it and then if we were upset we'd talk about it in that hour and then we'd get on with everything else and then we kind of just went from there. And we do still talk about it now, but it's not like now it's more of a, just like a passing comment rather than are you okay? But I just think there's there was no support for him as such. So there was no leaflets for him. Like there was no, there was a couple, but it wasn't like, this is what you should do or these are some groups you can talk to. It was just, oh, this has happened to your partner. This is what you should do for them. Yeah, there's very little support for women, let alone men. But yeah. we, we chatted on a podcast recently with some chaps didn't we? We did. The Still Parents podcast. And that's they are a group of men who've all been through baby loss. And that's a really good one. Oh, interesting. And Dad's Still Standing. Dad's Still Standing. Who we've got in soon. Yeah, there are, there are, I think 
I think everything is getting better and moving forward in terms of the support that is offered. But obviously, it all sort of stems with people like yourself who have the platform being able to kind of put a voice to it and actually say it's okay to talk about. And, you know, all it takes is that one person to say that and others will start doing the same. And it's just a complete snowball effect. What's really good about um, about podcasts is that if you're not ready to talk about it, you can just listen. And often for men, that's a tricky thing, isn't it? Opening up to their mates and and actually talking about feelings. I mean, God forbid a man would talk about their feelings. (laughs) So listening is often um, a a much easier way to feel understood and feel heard in the scene, yeah. Yeah, and I think I was talking about it a lot of my stories being like, he's going through this as well. So like he's he took me to all the blood tests, like he sat with me. And I mean, hospitals aren't very nice at the best of times, aren't they? Let's be honest. So it's not nice for him to just sit there and watch them take some more blood out of my arm and then me wait all day for a phone call to see what they're going to say to see if I'm going to have to have an operation. Because kind of when you're on medical watch, it's touch and go the whole time until the HCG goes down to know if you're going to need surgery or not. So it's like, you're waiting for a phone call to find out if you're like one step further away from having to have surgery. So I think from his point of view, it was more just like a sitting there having to watch me go through something and he physically couldn't do anything to help me. Yeah, they're powerless. As well, it needs, it's important that actually as women, we understand their need to kind of do what they can. And if your other half is doing the same thing for you and you're getting a bit, it's feel, starting to feel a bit claustrophobic, we kind of need to bear in mind the fact that they are really limited in what they can do and they're just trying to help. And maybe yeah. just a bit of a bit of patience from our from our side of things as well, just to, you know. If, yeah. Because it, it can be, when it can be quite claustrophobic, but at the same time, if we can keep at the forefront of our minds, so that's all, literally all they can do in this situation, then yeah. it's a bit more uh, patience probably as well because I was getting so irritated I couldn't go outside so I was like oh come on let me just do something mm, yeah there's yeah. only so much below deck one person can watch and I was over it at that point <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that oh honestly we've watched about 10 seasons it's... I don't think you're missing much no okay. you're probably not no you've probably got better things to do to be honest but <laughs> so how does this uh, how does the future look for you has it kind of cemented the fact that you want a baby now or has it made you think actually I, I want to wait for a while or or what was your future looking like yeah so I think it was one of those things that neither of us were really expecting it but then it both made us realize how ready we were for a family and how much we wanted to kind of move forward with that so I think it's more of a discussion where we sat down and we were like right this is what we're gonna do um we can try again or we can wait and it was more of a like let's wait until we both feel ready rather than kind of force it Mm. do you know what I mean rather than I think some people would get so worried straight away of trying again and don't get me wrong there was days where I sat there and I cried and I was like what if I can't have children like I I'm a very maternal person as it is and I kind of have always wanted kids while I was young and I was always like what if this happens what if this happens and he kind of sat there and he's like well what if it doesn't he's like what what if it's absolutely fine what if you're going to be fine so I think it's something that's definitely on the cards but like I think we both need to kind of sit down and be like right this is what's going to happen. We're going to try this, this and this. But I think for now, it's more focusing on getting myself back to feeling back to myself rather than, so yeah. But I think it makes you realise as well how much you are ready for a family because I don't think anyone's really, you're never, there's never a right time and you're never really ready for a baby, realistically. I personally don't think, especially at my age, it's like, do you want to carry on travelling? Do you want to have a baby? Do you want to do this, this and this? So I think it's both cemented for both of us that that's kind of what we want kind of like now and like in the future oh which is well which is fun (laughs) 
all the best in the future with the thanks trying for the baby um and so if people want to get in touch with you how can they find you on instagram my handle is at felicity rosina and yes just slide in the dms on there if you want to chat i'm usually usually quite on quite on it with replying so i'm usually there but yeah always open for a chat for anyone i mean i've talked to literally hundreds of strangers over the past few months so i can carry on (laughs) amazing i'm so glad as well that you found the support that that you needed in the community when you needed it because i think so many people struggle with that especially if you're not familiar with like I didn't know I didn't use Instagram at all um so I was completely oblivious to the whole amazing baby loss community that is particularly on Instagram yeah it's huge so it's great that you were that you were able to access that so quickly after your experience and obviously given that it was only a month ago like it's obviously really really helped you to be part of that sort of hugged by that baby loss community yeah 100% and I think it's that's really important as well to know that there are people out there that you can talk to and you're not alone and even if it's just one person that might be able to recommend someone else I think that's a big thing as well yeah it's all about just being um you know women supporting women and and being able to as you say help each other out when we need it yeah exactly amen to that amen sisters (laughs) thank you so much Felicity thank you so much for having me no problem at all and uh, yeah good luck with your future journey and we uh we look forward to following you on the gram thank you so much (laughs) Bye. bye bye thank you so much everyone for tuning in and please please when you have a second rate us review us and share us and let's get this taboo smashed see you next week Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.